your Bibles tonight, 1 Samuel chapter number 13. We're working our way through this passage of Scripture, and we're in the life of Saul. And Saul has been chosen as the king of Israel. Israel had a pretty good thing going. God was in control, but in their flesh they wanted a king, and God gave them a king, Saul. And Saul, we begin to see his demise quickly in his reign as king of Israel, and we can pick up on it pretty quickly in chapter number 13. Of 1 Samuel, I'd like to read to you the first 14 verses of this chapter. The Bible says, Saul reigned one year. And when he had reigned two years over Israel, Saul chose him 3,000 men of Israel, whereof 2,000 were with Saul in Michmash and in Mount Bethel, and 1,000 were with Jonathan in Gibeah of Benjamin, and the rest of the people he sent every man to his tent. And Jonathan smote the garrison of the Philistines that was in Geba. And the Philistines heard of it. And Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land, saying, Let the Hebrews hear. And all Israel heard say that Saul had smitten a garrison of the Philistines, and that Israel also was had in abomination with the Philistines. And the people were called together after Saul to Gilgal. And the Philistines gathered themselves together to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, and people as the sand which was on the seashore in multitude. And they came up and pitched in Michmash eastward from Beth-Avon. When the men of Israel saw that they were in a strait, for the people were distressed, then the people did hide themselves in caves and in thickets and in rocks and in high places, and in pits. And some of the Hebrews went over Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, he was yet in Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. And he tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed. But Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. And Saul said, Bring hither a burnt offering to me, and peace offerings, And he offered the burnt offering. And it came to pass that as soon as he had made an end of offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him, that he might salute him. And Samuel said, What hast thou done? And Saul said, Because I saw the people were scattered from me, and that thou camest not within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Michmash. Therefore said I, The Philistines will come down now upon me to Gilgal, and I have not made supplication of the Lord. I forced myself, therefore, and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart, And the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. I want you to see a little phrase here in verse number 3. It's where I'll get my title for tonight's message. The Bible says in verse number 3, Jonathan smote the garrison of the Philistines that was in Geba. And the Philistines heard of it. And Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land, saying, Let the Hebrews hear. And I've just jumped off that little phrase, Saul blew the trumpet. And I just want to preach this message tonight, Saul blew it. 
Saul blew it. He did blow the trumpet and lie. He blows a trumpet and declares that he has won victory over the Philistines when all along it was Jonathan and his 1,000 men. But the bottom line is in this passage of Scripture, Saul blew it. Saul blew it. When the nation of Israel saw Saul and picked a king, they said, this is the kind of guy we want. He was tall and he was strong and he was handsome. He was the kind of guy that you'd expect to lead a nation. Not only was he tall and strong and handsome, he was the kind of guy that was happy to receive the glory. He was loud and flashy, willing to cast some blame. He's also glad to schmooze the crowd and try to convince the uppity-ups and the low, low, lows of how good he was. But I want you to understand something. Saul was the king of the nation of Israel and Saul blew it. And if you think somehow you can accomplish God's will, man's way, with no character, with no faith, you're wrong. Someone said it like this, the worst failure is to succeed at something that is not God's will. Oh, how many folks have made it big and left God out? And I'll just tell you, if you leave God out, you'll be with Saul and you're going to blow it. Saul blew it. That's our message tonight. Saul blew it. And I want to share some things with you. Saul is a great example of what God is not looking for. If you want a good negative example, here's somebody that you can learn something what not to do from Saul. I've told the story often. I had the privilege when I was in college to travel, and I was all over the place. And I'm just, I praise the Lord for the education I got. I was in 40 different states in three summers and sang and preached in 150 different churches. And I've jokingly said, but it's true, in all my travels I learned a lot what to do and a lot what not to do. Have you ever been in a situation where you learned what not to do? And Saul is an example of what not to do. And if there was a great example of what God is not looking for, Saul's your man. And I want to share some things that Saul did. Some of the reasons why Saul blew it from this passage of Scripture. We meet up with Saul in verse 1. The Bible says, And Saul reigned one year, and when he had reigned two years over Israel, Saul chose him 3,000 men of Israel, whereof 2,000 were with Saul in Michmash and in Mount Bethel, and a thousand were with Jonathan in Gibeah of Benjamin, and the rest of the people he sent every man to his tent. Now, if we remember this story and remember what's happened recently, God used Saul in a very special way. You remember he chopped up a yoke of oxen and sent pieces all over the nation, and it provoked a need and a desire and a fear in the heart of the men of Israel to gather together, and 300,000 men gathered, to fight. In two years' time, Saul, with his pathetic leadership, has allowed the armies of the nation of Israel to dwindle down now to 3,000. He had 2,000 with him, and Jonathan had 1,000 with him. He's lessened the nation of Israel, and he begins and continues to do things that are just ridiculous. The Bible says in verse 3 that Jonathan, his son, 
Jonathan smote the garrison of the Philistines that was in Geba. And the Philistines heard of it. And Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land, saying, Let the Hebrews hear. And all Israel heard say that Saul had smitten a garrison of the Philistines, and that Israel also was had an abomination with the Philistines. And the people were called together after Saul to Gilgal. Saul blew it. The first thing I want to bring to your attention tonight is this. Saul blew it because, number one, he was proud. He was proud. The Bible says pride comes before fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. He was a proud man. What happens to Saul? Saul, with no regard to the fact that the Philistines had a standing army that was massive, when he hears that Jonathan with a thousand soldiers had defeated a garrison of Philistines, he can't help it but start bragging. The Bible says that Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land, saying, let the Hebrews hear. And by the time he'd finished telling his story, the Bible says that they all had heard that Saul had spent in a garrison of the Philistines and that Israel was an abomination to the Philistines. The whole world had heard, the whole nation had heard what Saul had done. But the bottom line is Saul hadn't done anything. Old Saul, he was proud. He reduced his army to nothing. He took personal credit for Jonathan's victory. He was boastful and proud. Let me tell you something, Saul blew it. You know, if you are so concerned in your life about who gets the credit, you're going to end up in a mess. You're going to end up in a mess. I heard this statement. I love it. Uh, the, someone said, there's no telling what God can do through Christian people when its leaders have no concern over who gets the credit. Oh my God, have, help us to have that spirit. What are you here for? Are you here to promote yourself, promote your name? If you are, you may promote it. But the bottom line is you are motivated by the wrong motive. If you want to serve in a ministry so you can say that you serve in a ministry, then you are going about this for the wrong reason. All through the years, I've seen so many folks who thought if somehow I can have my name identified with that name or with that church or with that ministry or with this person, then, oh, boy, I'll really have something. And I can testify from 20-some years of experience in watching folks, every person who are motivated to have their name on a sign, to have their name in a brochure, to have their name in a pamphlet, or their name somewhere in a place of prominence. Every person I've ever met is motivated by that. If they got their name there, it didn't last long. Because they're motivated by the wrong thing. They're motivated by the wrong thing. And Saul, what did he want? His own son had done a great feat. And rather than giving glory where the glory belonged, rather than propping his son up and humbly sitting back and saying, Wow, thank you, Lord, for giving me a boy that can do something great for your glory. (laughs) Saul, the fool, he spoke up and said, Look what I've done. Look, at, I mean, I gave him the thousand men. I am the king. Look what I've done. Look what I've done. And Saul himself gives himself credit. The Bible makes sure that we know that Saul takes credit for Jonathan's successes. And Saul runs his mouth and arrogantly boasts 
and it's proud. And I'm going to tell you something. If you want to blow it, proceed in your life yearning for the glory and the glory for yourself. And you will. You'll blow it. You may succeed at something, but you'll not succeed at something that you'll want in the long run. Saul blew it. He was proud. Number two, Saul blew it. He was spiritually superstitious. Saul blew it. He was spiritually superstitious. Let me show you what the Bible says as we continue in verse 5. We have a little transition period. Everybody knows what's going on. Saul's, Saul has killed and conquered a garrison of Philistines. Everybody knows it. And the Philistines, when they hear what Saul has done, what Saul really didn't do, they get a little concerned. And so Saul, with a standing army of how many? How many, how many uh, military men did they have at this moment? 3,000. Now, when you think about that, 3,000 is a lot of fighting men. But we aren't learning a little bit later in this passage of Scripture. They didn't have any swords. There was Among their 3,000 men, there were no swords. For two years, Saul's been the king of Israel, and in his foolish pride and ignorance, at the end of two years, there's two swords. He has one, and Jonathan has one. Not good, huh? It gets worse. Look what happens. Verse 5, the Philistines gathered themselves to gather, to fight with Israel. They're concerned. Look what Saul has done. They gathered themselves to gather to fight with Israel. 30,000 chariots. They had 10 times as many chariots as the nation of Israel had soldiers. 3,000 chariots. 6,000 horsemen. And people as the sand which is on the seashore in multitudes. They couldn't even imagine or write down or tell you a number of how many soldiers there were. And they came up and pitched in Michmash eastward from Beth Avon. When the men of Israel saw that they were in a strait, when the men of Israel saw, man, we're in big trouble, what'd they do? They got behind their fearless leader, right? <laughs> nope. The people were distressed. Then the people did hide themselves in caves and in thickets and in rocks and in high places and in pits. Some of the Hebrews went over Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, he was yet in Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. Look at, this, look at the condition of the nation of Israel. Man, old Saul, he'd gone around puffing his chest out, bragging. I'll just tell you, this is a beautiful picture of pride comes before a fall, right? The same guy that just a few chapters earlier, a couple years ago, had led a group of 300,000 men, I think, to defeat the Amalekites, if I remember the right group of people. 300,000 soldiers had done a great job. The same guy now, he's leading his 3,000 into battle, and they're ditching him. They're jumping and hiding all over. All over that land during that time, every cave, there was a quivering, cowering, Israeli soldier. And Saul was to blame. The Bible says in verse number 8, he tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed. The Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. And Saul said, Bring hither a burnt offering to me, and peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. Now what happens next? Saul sees, every time he looks back, it looks like 
the army is less than it was before. And the reason that it looked less because it was. At this point now, his group of 3,000 has dwindled down to 600. He keeps looking behind him. He's like, oh, no, what am I going to do? He's like, I got it. Let's do some hocus-pocus God stuff. And maybe we can do what Samuel does and... You know, we can offer an offering to God and we'll do this hocus-pocus religious stuff. You know, the religious stuff like the priest does. And If we'll do some religious stuff, then surely God will smile on us and we'll get a victory like we've had before, right? Saul does something so foolish. Saul tries to take the place of the priest of God. And offer sacrifice because he's scared. He thinks if I can do some religious thing, then I can stack the deck or put the chips in my favor. How silly. Let me tell you something. There are a lot of religious people out there like Saul who are promoting themselves and doing their own thing and seeking after their own thing. And because they're superstitious and scared of God rather than reverencing God, you know what they do? They do the most ridiculous thing. They'll become devout in some religion or faithful to some cause because they think, surely if I do good, then God will smile on me. But I want you to know something. Saul blew it because you can't, Use God as some genie in the bottle to make things better for you somehow. You can't pet him and get prizes. You can't do things that you think please him and get passes for your wicked behavior. Saul blew it. Saul said, oh my, I've only got 600 soldiers now. Uh, I should have thought of this earlier. He should have thought about it two years ago. He'd left God out. He'd left God out. And when he got to a place where everything was falling apart, he's like, ah, I better offer a burnt sacrifice. But he didn't even understand why you offer a burnt sacrifice. He didn't understand the process. He had not put a priority on knowing God and serving God. Because had he known God and served God, he would have known better than to do some frivolous burning of an animal. What Saul did was no different than when Brooke burnt the ribs. Or was it Derek? I can't remember. What they did was no different than when you burnt the stake. What he did is no different than when you burned the lasagna. How many ever burnt something? Yeah. Was it spiritual? No. And Saul thought somehow how ignorant we are to think that we can do some religious something. Kiss a cross that hangs around our necks or attend a service. If you just attend a service because you want God to somehow help you from making a mess next week. You have the wrong motivation. And Saul blew it. Saul blew it because he was spiritually superstitious. Don't fall into that trap. 
You know, you don't have to live afraid of your Father God and Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for that. You don't have to live afraid of Him. If you submit yourself to Him and serve Him and love Him and love people and determine to be the kind of person that just pleases God with your life, He's going to help you in every area of life, whether you burn stuff in the oven or not. He's faithful. Saul was spiritually superstitious and the offering that he made was foolish and he blew it. Saul blew it because he was proud. Saul blew it because he was spiritually superstitious. Finally, number three, Saul blew it because he had pitiful character. Saul had pitiful character. I want you to see what he does here in the remainder of this passage of Scripture. Look with me in verse 10. The Bible says it came to pass that as soon as he had made an end of offering, the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him that he might salute him. That word salute means bless. What happens? I mean, as soon as he started doing this foolish act, he knew what he was doing was wrong. And as soon as he starts doing this foolish act of making this offering, this burnt offering, here comes Samuel. And so Saul's like, oh, I got to schmooze the leader, right? I got to put on, I got to salute him, I got to bless him. And so you can just imagine Saul's doing this burnt offering and trying to do his little religious magic act here, trying to somehow uh, get God on his side or somehow... Think, let everybody think that he's godly somehow. And so he's doing his little magic trick. And then here comes Samuel. And he goes out into the presence. Of, he's like, hello, priest Samuel. How are you doing today? He salutes him. This is a, this is a word that, that has great meaning. He's, he's blessing him. He's putting on. He salutes him. I want you to know something. Saul was a hypocrite. He had pitiful character. He blew it because he was a hypocrite. We see him all through this passage of Scripture, unwilling to show reverence to Samuel, unwilling to obey and honor the Lord. Saul, he had pitiful character. He was a hypocrite. It keeps going. Look what the Bible says in the next verse. Verse 11, Samuel said, What hast thou done? And Saul said, Because I saw that the people were scattered from me. The first thing he does is he blames the people. You see it? I'd be like somebody that's really good at blaming others. I'm telling you, our society teaches you to blame others. You should be the kind of person that's willing to take the blame when it's yours. He says, the people, when I saw that the people were scattered from me, and then he says, and that thou camest not within the days appointed. He said, use a few minutes late. It's, It's the people's fault. It's your fault. And that the Philistines gather themselves together at me. And it's the Philistines' fault. What's he doing? First, he's a hypocrite. Then, he plays the blame game. He makes excuses. I read this today and I love it. People who are good at making excuses are rarely good at anything else. Let's not fall into that trap. I want to encourage our young people and adults alike, but I'm thinking especially about our young people. Let's not be the kind of people who make excuses. When you've messed up, just say, look, I messed up. Own it. Own your failures. And determine with God's help not to do it again. 
this excuse making, blaming others. It's an example of pitiful character. And I'll just tell you something. Saul blew it. People who are good at making excuses are rarely good at anything else. And Saul proves to be a failure king. What's he do? He blames. He makes excuses. The scripture continues. Verse 12. Therefore said I, the Philistines will come down now upon me to Gilgal. And I have not made supplication unto the Lord. I forced myself therefore and offered a burnt offering. Look what he does. You see that little phrase? I forced myself. What's he doing? He is exaggerating the circumstances. He is including flattery. He wants somehow to think, if I can make Samuel think that this was really hard for me to do. Was it really hard for him to do? You don't get any taste of that earlier in the scripture. It wasn't something that was really difficult. Like I had to make myself. I really had to really had to suck it up and do something religious. No. He was scared. Impatient. Wrong. But he exaggerates the situation. He says something trying to make others think something about him that's not true. Oh, may the Lord help us not to be the kind of people who exaggerate and live under false pretense and try to exalt ourselves to positions and places that we're not. If you'll get to the place where you're satisfied with what God's given you and who God's made you, you're going to be a happy person. As a matter of fact, not only be a happy person, but you'll begin the process of promoting to a place that God wants you to be. The most successful people that have ever lived are folks who are determined just to take the blame. Folks who are willing not to make excuses for themselves. Folks who say, with God's help, I'm going to do the best I can and get what God has given God's way. I'll just have you know something about Saul. He had a pitiful character. Now, that's not the end of the story. Look what else the Bible says. In verse number 13, Samuel and Saul have a conversation. It's mostly one-sided because Samuel is going to say something very pointed to Saul. Saul blew it. Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. He said, Because you've done foolishly, you've missed out on the opportunity. The opportunity of a lifetime. By the way, we all have a life to live. If you're here today and you're breathing air, you've got an opportunity to serve the Lord. You have an opportunity to do something that matters. Don't blow it. Don't blow it by being proud. Don't blow it by being in error spiritually. Don't blow it by being superstitious. Don't blow it by having a pitiful care. Don't blow it. You've got an opportunity. Saul says, you've had, you had an opportunity, but you've done foolishly. Verse 14. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people. Because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. What does God say? God sends word to Saul through Samuel and says, Listen, you missed your opportunity. Because what you've become is not what God Wants to bless and use. What was he? You remember what he was? You remember what Saul was? He was tall and handsome. Strong. He was happy to receive the glory. He was quick 
to give the blind. He was loud and flashy and had this special capacity and yearning to schmooze the crowd. Sounds like your atypical leadership person in our society, but I want you to know something. That's not what God wants. God wants men and women of character, men and women that have a heart like God. What kind of heart does God have? Samuel said, God wants a man after his own heart, a man that loves people, a man that exalts others above themselves, a man that's willing to serve, a lady that's willing to give, a person that's willing to go and serve and love and be the kind of blessing that God is to his people. God was looking for a shepherd type, and it won't be long until he finds him. Actually, he never had to find him. He knew him all along. But we get to see him and meet him very soon. His name's David. What does God want? He doesn't want a Saul type. If you think somehow that you can con your way through life, you're wrong. Saul blew it. Saul blew it. Don't blow it. Take God's approach. Learn from Saul. He was proud superstitious, and he had a pitiful character. Don't fall into that same trap. Saul blew it. But you know what? We don't have to. May God help us have a spirit unlike Saul's. We learn from his negative example. We ask the Lord to help us to be a man or a woman or a boy or a girl after God's own heart.